1: Broadcasting from America's finest digital studios, this is the 5.5 Podcast. Today the guys will wrap up this dog shit season. They tell you what they think will happen in the off season and they will revisit some hot takes from earlier this year. Here are your hosts, Danny Ortiz and Eric Labou.
0: And welcome back everybody to the season finale of the 5.5 Podcast, our last episode until we venture into the abyss Known as The Off-Season, I am your host, Danny Ortiz, alongside Eric LeBou, and uh, welcome back for the last time, Eric. We are finally here, man. Thank God, God, we finally made it. I don't know how we endured, but we persevered.
1: Yeah, man, it, it it got to the point, and I mean, it's no it's no secret, the podcast slowed down. Yeah. Um, you know, we went to... The podcast world slowed down, yeah. really. Yeah, we went to every other week for the last month of the season, because... I mean I'll I'll say it I don't care. I lost a lot of interest. I watch the games. It's kind of like the thing. It's like uh, when you argue with your wife and it's like, "Hey," it's like <laughs> I want to know that feeling? Yeah, it's like it's like when she tells you like, "Um, hey, you hear me but you're not listening." That's me watching the games. Pretty much. Like I'm I'm like staring at the TV but I'm not watching it. I think you know it's I mean? like, like a it's, habit
0: thing, right? Cuz yeah. I mean, I've been watching games since I was 9. I'm 32, so I've been watching games pretty much my whole life. So it's right. almost like a habit. Like, oh, the Padres are on. i got to watch the game. Yeah. But then you just kind of tune out except for certain moments. Like, oh, Mejia's hitting, which I feel like he got five at-bats since the last time we've been on the- <laughs> Since the last time we recorded. Right. Um, oh, Margot is hitting or uh, Renfro or Myers. You know, the, the guys you want to see. Um, Reyes. But other than that, yeah, dude, I was pretty tuned out. Every time I saw Freddie Galvis in the leadoff hole, I just wanted to throw up
1: yeah, in th- my mouth. I think that's why, because we expected to lose. And honestly, like it got to the point where I think you and I would agree that this is our last chance to really tank. Yep, and right? they couldn't even
0: do that shit
1: right. They couldn't do it right. Through no know?
0: fault of their own. Nobody knew the White Sox, Royals, and... Uh,
1: yeah, the Baltimore
0: Orioles were going to be that fucking terrible.
1: In particular, the number one overall pick was out of reach. Yeah, right. And even the
0: number two pick, I even feel like. yeah,
1: even number two, you could argue is out of reach, but. Like, for example, I I feel like every time down the stretch, I I would turn on the game or I would see the preview on on, uh, Twitter with the lineups. Like, I saw these lineups, and the more and more I saw them, the more and more discouraged I got because I'm like, what's the point? Like, when I would see Galvis leading the game off, when we have Guerra up, like, I think is trash, but you have to play him. You have to play him because Galvis is, dude, yeah, he's fine. Like, right, he's great defensively. Hey, Hey, he makes great plays, but... I don't need to see Freddy Galvis. I don't need to see Freddy Galvis. I want to see what I have uh, in Guerra. And, like, if you're going to suck, then suck. You know what I mean? Go all out. Like, them seemingly refusing to play Javi Guerra just so they can get Galvis uh, every day of the season. I think he played all 162. Look-dee-doo. It really wore down on me, dude. It, it it wears down on me, too, because he's not Cal Ripken. No. Right? Like,
0: he's not this, like, transcendent. Could have fooled me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's not this transcendent player, right? Like Cal Ripken changed the mold of shortstops. Alan Trammell used to be like the epitome of a shortstop. Right? right. Even Ozzy Smith, you know, great defense, light contact back. Cal Ripken was the complete opposite, other than the defense part. Yeah. Freddie Galvis doesn't need to be out there every day. Like, it's great that he played all 162. He's the Iron Man. Great. Move him once Uris went down. Move him to second. Let him play some third to spell Myers. Like. I didn't need to see Spangenberg over there, who, by the way, offensively is roughly equivalent to Galvis anyways. Right. The only thing Galvis has is that he can stand at shortstop and do pretty well. But I agree with you. Like, I don't know if it was correct. I think it might have been H.J. or maybe Marver that said it on Twitter. But, like, the reason Guerra's not playing is he hasn't earned his way in the lineup. <laughs> At some point, no prospect earned his way in the lineup. You just give him the spot and let him go. Has I mean, Hedges didn't earn his way into the lineup, right? It's just kind of by default. Yeah. He you just, know, he'd buy, you know, Reyes and Renfro, right? They just kind of like, okay, sink or swim, and you let him run out there. I, I, I realize Guerra offensively is probably more terrible than uh, Galvis. I understand that. I think defensively, he might be as good as better already. I mean, he made a couple of slick plays in the short time he got there but he also had a couple plays where it's like what the hell i mean he's young he's a (laughs) rookie and i mean it happens right i mean we saw what will myers did over at third true so to me it's like you have to run the guys out there that you think have a shot at next year they have to re-sign galvis and the the odds of that i'd say right now are probably 50 50 i think they want to bring him back yeah but if you
1: bring him back you're bringing back for one year you are. And and that's another lost year of nothing.
0: It, it is, and it's two things. You you spend more money on him than he than you need to. I mean, I know he's going to be cheap, but it's still a, a sunk cost for a, a non-future piece. Plus, you waste a 40-man roster spot. Well, you can just plug in Guerra for six weeks. I mean, most of the people I talk to seemingly are okay with Javi Guerra filling in for six weeks until Tatis is ready. Right. But I, I think you got to play Guerra. I mean, that's what September call-ups are for. You play the guys. That's he did... Andy Green's did such a great job of that when Margot, Aswahe, Hedges, and Renfro came up that one September. He did. You know, two years ago, it's such a great job, especially Renfro and Margot. I felt like they were playing all the time, and Hedges. You know, I feel like that's the approach you have to take with Guerra because just see if he can sink or swim. I think he'd be exciting defensively, and I mean, the the raw ability offensively is still there. If he can learn to make contact, but you're not going to figure it out. By benching him the majority of the time he's up here, there's no reason for him to sit on the bench.
1: That's Bud Black tactics. Like, and I know baby. what people are thinking right now. Like there's there's people probably there listening to this that they're saying to themselves, hey, like Galvis isn't making us win that much. It's not basically it's not a big deal. Right? He was pretty he, goddamn clutch in this this past month. Well that's that's what I'm saying. I'm like people are gonna be like, hey man, it's just Freddie Galvis, you know what I mean? Like, let him play. He made great plays. I love watching him play every game or every day, like back off, dude. It's not that big of a deal. Padre fans, and we're all guilty of it. I'm guilty of it, too. We want, like, we're all about the tank. Oh, hey, we got a tank. We got to lose. Like, we want to lose, but we don't want to lose. Does that make sense? It's like, yeah. hey, we want to lose, but we don't want to be the laughingstock of the league. Yeah. It's like, you have to be. dude. You have to be. Galvis, Galvis, I mean, for him,
0: he raked in September. He had 290 with a oh, 330 it did. on base. He had a 450 slugging. He slugged
1: 472 the month before. He's had an awful on base. There was a time – there was a point in time where I I had just fired off a tweet talking about how – exactly what we've been talking about, how Garrett needs the opportunities and I'm sick of watching Galvis. And then right after that, I think it was Bill Center tweeted out, hey, uh, Freddie Galvis is 20 for his last 56. And I'm like, well, shit. <laughs> but I don't care how, I don't care how good he's doing, man. It just – it it didn't seem worth it. It seemed pointless to me to have Galvis every, out there every day. If you're going to move around the field, um, if um, – Unfortunately, Luis Urias got hurt. But if they really were going to give him some looks at short and you had Galvis playing second while Urias was playing short, great. But to have him out there every day at the expense of getting Javi gear opportunity and at the expense of getting him looks, that's what I had a problem with. No, no matter yeah. how good Galvis is. I mean, Galvis posted two
0: consecutive months because he hit for so much power in uh, August. Two consecutive months where he was legitimately slightly to pretty well above league average offensively those two months. According to... Uh, baseball's uh, two different split versions of OPS+. plus. So, but still, he had really good months. I mean, if he hit 280, 330, 450 the whole year, fuck, I'd have taken him. I'd have taken the extension. Yeah, give him one more year. If he can do that, maybe you flip him or you just move him around. But yeah, th- there's no reason to sit other guys. Like, Calvis was a stud this last month, yeah. and that killed the tank. And it also doesn't allow us to see what we could have in Guerra. Yeah. And whoever else you wanted to play up there, exactly,
1: so. exactly. And I know. Um, so, kind of side note: the last time we recorded, we we're like, "Hey, we have something big planned." I decided to scrap it. I just, you know, part of me, I was like, "Hey, man, it's been a couple of weeks. I just want to end the season, just Danny and I." <laughs> like, you <He's> sweet man. <laughs> so, anyways, um, here's what I want to do. Danny and I went to the prospects game, um, the Padres on deck game, the Don Welkie game. Um, I want to talk. I want to talk a little bit about that. And then I've been working on something that I want to play for you. And I have no idea what it is. And then after that, I want to get into some of the comments that we heard at the On Deck game from Ron Fowler. So I want to talk about that after the clip. But the Padres On Deck game, that was uh, the past week. Your daughter's debut at Petco That's Park. That's right.
0: Mia and Milan debut at Petco
1: Park. Went very well, I might add. Thanks to H.J. Uh, Prowler for all the snack tips. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, that was you know it was really cool seeing everyone. I will admit, me personally, I was less excited about this Padres on deck game as I was the previous two. I will agree. Maybe it's the Tatis effect. And Tatis I, wasn't there. Yeah, but I feel like it was. I don't want to say a letdown, but like I was hoping that we were going to see like Patino. I was hoping we we're going to see Weathers, which Arms. I mean, I I know that we shouldn't expect to see much in the way of arms out there because of the grind that they've been taking all season, but I I was kind of underwhelmed by it. But at the same time. There was really good showings from guys like Marcano and um, guys like Miller, and, yeah, you know and, that and Edwards that really um, got got me pretty hyped for the future.
0: Yeah, I will say that when we were talking to uh, Kevin Charity of Mad Friars prior to, because um, he was of course he big leagued us up in the uh, up in the press box that day. Yeah, but uh, when he was telling us, yeah, this is what you guys should expect. You know, Weathers isn't going to be throwing. Patino's not throwing. Um, I was kind of disappointed. Uh, but I think going in there with those low expectations made the first, because I was only there for about five innings. Right. I did miss Munoz, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But it made those first five innings actually more enjoyable because I had zero expectations. And we got to see um, you know these younger guys that we really haven't seen at all. Like, we haven't seen them in spring training. They, some of them were just drafted like Edwards. And they kind of stole the show. Um, Xavier Edwards especially, like super, super impressed, blown away yeah. by Edwards. Contact ability, now he got cheap hits. I mean, he had that double he hustled out. But... Jesus, that guy can fly. He looks like a young like Juan Pierre. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's got speed galore. Um, uh, I'm going Mar- based off of looks, which yeah. sounds kind of yeah bad. Uh, anyway, but I mean, you're based enough of tools. <laughs> but I mean, he was super impressive. I mean, he's everything that uh, you know. John connor has been talking about Edwards since they oh, drafted yeah. him. Now, for those who don't recall, that was the reason they got Phil Hughes was to take the slot money. It didn't get. They took that extra bonus, and that's what helped him, I think sign Edwards. Uh, but, Grant Little was it Grant Little? Yeah. You sure? Who cares who it was
1: either way either way i mean edwards was impressive Marcano was impressive he slashed a couple of bases I Marcano think- made a couple uh bonehead moves on the on the base pass so. yeah yeah it happens and i was to the point where i was telling people i was like dude like I mean, how old is he when he hits the ball like he, he in the batter's box he looks great and then he gets on the bases, he looks like manny margot yeah like, I don't but i think that's it. a skill i think base running is a it's skill. just a bad game yeah it's just a bad game right yeah. um uh, was it Owen Miller?
0: I mean they had him at first but they have so many damn middle infielders. They yeah. had two shortstops playing second and third and another shortstop playing first. Basically had four shortstops. Yeah. And uh este Ruiz, Esteuri, not Esturi, uh was DHing. And I called it Eric. When he came up, I sat I sat there and said, Come on, Ruiz, run into one. And, uh, is he that did, really calling it, or is that rooting for him and having him come? It's for kind it? of both. Like I'm hoping for the home run. I was, you, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to call my shot. But good uh, God, what a bomb! It was crushed. crushed. Ca- yeah,
1: launch angle. You know what? And launch the, angle.
0: Even my daughter, as soon as he hit, and everybody started jumping up and down. She was jumping up
1: and yeah. down. Yeah. Super excited. God, what a bomb! Straight away center field, yeah. just annihilating. No doubter. Yeah. And that's you know that's a guy we saw him in spring uh, tearing it up. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I was really excited to see that. Um, that that part was thank cool. God we didn't
0: see him on defense, <laughs> right? <laughs>
1: yeah, thank God Another for the DH. Another prime
0: example of why we need the yep. DH in the net. Why it would so serve the Padres.
1: Amen, amen. But you know, you touched on it earlier. One guy that you missed out on was Andres Munoz. Yeah, I Mexican. was not there for that.
0: Thank, thank Mexican and thank God to my favorite Mexican right now, Luis Urias, yeah. for posting on uh, Instagram. I do give him a follow, and his uh, Instagram stories were pretty fire that night. Yeah, so Urias,
1: uh, Urias, was there, and then Fran Reyes, a whole bunch of other ones, but um, Franmil Reyes and Urias, the two young men, were right up in the front, in the front row, and when you Munoz, Mil yeah, couldn't miss him From when Munoz came in, both of them had their phones out, and, like they were hyped, dude, <laughs> they were hyped, and I was like, because I was, I was standing up there with uh, Carlos and uh, Jagoff and uh, a couple other people, Los Seahills boys, yeah, Kanye Padre, no, this was like towards the end oh, of the meetup uh. and everything. And um, so we're standing up there and we're talking. And I told him basically, I was like, hey, man, if as soon as Munoz comes in, I'm bouncing. And this was in like the fifth or sixth inning. And if they would have put him in then, I would have left. But, of course, they wait until the ninth inning. Yeah. So I'm sitting there and we're talking. And then I turn around and I see that the Padres are warming up to start a new inning. And at that point, I had lost track of what inning it was. But I looked down there and I, re- I noticed it was Munoz. I was like, all right, see you guys. Irish, goodbye. Just left. <laughs> Didn't that. that was basically it. Um, so I see that's Munoz and i run down I guess close as I can I'm down by Roy and Angela and all them like right there um, behind home plate just a little in between home plate and the first base dugout like two or three rows up dude it's insane. I don't know how people hit that. Yeah, I have he no idea like a how fly people ball a ground ball, didn't he? Yeah, and it was just... Just watching him warm up, the place was electric. There was... I, I don't know. I didn't see 6, the attendance. 6,500 people, I think. Was it 6,500? I think so. And at that point, towards the end of the game, probably half of that. Yeah. But the place was electric when he was in there warming up. Like, to see him... God, did dude. you get the uh, oh pop when he hit hundred yeah. the first time? Yeah, it was it was intense, man. And like <laughs> you see him there, and he's warming up. You know he's you know he has the uh, you know you know he has the arm, but then he sits there and he breaks off like an upper 80s slider, Ugh. <laughs> and, and these dudes are like, what the hell? Like you see him stand straight up, and it's just it was insane, and it's just like it gets me so hyped about their bullpen because their bullpen is already good.
0: It is already good. You already got Wigginton, who I think had a pretty good strikeout to walk ratio. Yeah, we've already really talked good. about Castillo. Uh, Stock, 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 even, yeah, yeah. Robert Stock actually
1: had a sneaky, pretty solid debut for a guy who's you know supposedly a washout. Yeah, he did, and I want I want to talk about him later on, but just it's like really seeing year. seeing him, dude, and like in the playoffs, I feel like I feel like in the playoffs, and we want to get to the playoffs very soon. You need guys that throw smoke, some and we're gonna have a lot of them. When you have uh, Wingenter, you have Stock. Is it Wingenter or Wingenter? Whatever, you know who I mean. <laughs> Um, You have those two guys, you have Castillo, and then you have Munoz. That's four guys right there that bring in the upper 90s. You know what I mean? And it's just like, I'm really excited for our bullpen. All we need out of our pitching staff, and I think our pitching staff is going to be very solid here very soon... All you need is five innings and throw those guys <laughs> one inning. We talked that. about it the last time we recorded a
0: couple weeks ago. I about the about, opener idea, yeah, yeah. Do you imagine, like, okay, it's like, okay, Strom, you're opening this game. Stock, you're opening this game. And just have those guys go out there and gas it for, like, two innings. Yeah. Like, Strom's a stud. Yeah. He had a hell of a year coming out of the bullpen. Yeah, he did. As that, like, multi-inning guy. Like, that's a legitimate weapon on top of Castillo and Stock, and Wingenter, Wingenter, and, and then Munoz, who could probably be up next year. I think he's going to be up next year. Yeah, I, I would mean, be shocked if he wasn't. I mean, that bo- and then they still have Yates and Stam who are actually really good this year, but I can yeah. see them getting dealt at right. some point. But still, just the arms are coming. It's just I think Lawson could be in the bullpen. I mean, he throws. He
1: start. He started that on deck game. and He's he very impressive. He's very impressive, but I can see where people see reliever because he's a two pitch guy. Like his breaking balls weren't that impressive. Yeah, but even but. even then, dude, like if he's just airing it out for an inning or two, gonna, yeah, or two, yeah. he's going to be bringing it. Mid 90s. I think you use them the way they use them, where it's like, okay, you're
0: going to be like a two, maybe three inning guy. Just go out there. Because he ended the night striking the guy out and reached back and touched 96 to punch the guy out. Yeah. Looking, I think. I'm pretty sure it was looking and just walked off. So
1: it's, dude, it's very, very promising. It's really exciting. And I'm sitting there and, and I don't, I knew what to expect out of him, but when I saw his fastball, dude, it was still insane to me. Like the fastest that I've seen that I've stepped in the box against was 92 to 93. In high school against Rudy, against Mount Miguel. I saw that against
0: uh, Sean O'Sullivan.
1: And that's that's the fastest that I've ever been in the box against. And when I faced him, I couldn't see the ball. And this was in high school when I'm hitting and practicing every day. Couldn't see it. I can't imagine adding ten miles an hour onto that. You know what I mean? Like, you literally have to decide, like, as he's (laughs) as the ball's coming out of as his hands hands separate, you're like, okay, I'm gonna swing at this. Like, I'm just gonna take my (laughs) I'm gonna take my shot. But, yeah, man, I was so hyped watching Munoz out there, dude. I was so fucking hyped. It was it was amazing. So, yeah, a lot of stuff to look forward to there um, with the future. Padres on Deck game really got us excited. I want to talk about, um, after I play you this clip, I want to <laughs> talk about. I'm really about- interested
0: to hear what this was because you made me wait outside for, like, I had 20 put, minutes working this thing up.
1: I had to put it together. I'm an amateur, I'm an amateur producer. Yes. I had to had to put it together. Um, I'm an and amateur then,
0: host. Don't feel bad.
1: I want to talk about some of uh, Fowler's comments after this and uh, the direction that they take in the offseason and going into next year, but what I was putting together. So I started uh, listening back this morning. So I was like, you know what? We know how the season played out. So what I want to do, I want to go back and listen to the very last episode before the season started. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. And, dude... I gotta be honest with you man we sounded really good maybe i'm maybe i'm biased but we sounded and it what it showed me is one we can be right sometimes but a lot of times we're wrong yeah and two you could like hear the excitement and the hope in our (laughs) in our voices i don't know if i want to hear this (laughs) and um and three i'm like i'm thinking i'm like dude like We've our podcast quality has gone downhill. Oh, <laughs> it's drawn. like maybe because we lost interest, but I thought it was a really good episode. So the, if you guys want to go back and listen to it, it's called um, and it's in the sarcasm font. It says "Lament doesn't need an MRI" and stuff. <laughs> so it was around Your SpongeBob meme. It was around that. It's around the hills have Mexican podcast. It was around yeah around that time. <sighs> so the drivecast. We're gonna yeah we're gonna play that and and this is also a prime example. Some of the shit yours isn't that bad, but uh. some of the shit that I said during it. I cringed oh, God. just knowing how it, how it all played out. This but will be good. It also showed me why I'm taking more of the approach of if I have a baseball disagreement with someone to say, hey, man, agree to disagree. Because yeah. I'm wrong a lot of the time. <laughs> I'll be honest. I'm wrong a lot Everybody's of the time. Everybody's wrong a lot of the time. And I feel like a lot of the time I'm getting better at saying, like, hey, man, like I, I disagree, but we'll see how it plays out. Yeah. I'm getting better at that. Now, if you tell me, That you hate watching Will Myers play baseball because he looks disinterested. Or you compare him to Travis Jankowski. If you do any of that, I'll tell you that you're a fucking idiot. You don't know (laughs) shit about baseball. And I'll mean that with 100%. I love Will. If you said, the, "Yo, he looks disinterested, man. He doesn't even look like he's trying." Shut the fuck up, okay? I'll tell you that 100 that I think you're an idiot. But if it comes to other stuff, if you're like, "Hey, you know, I I think that uh, you know, here's what I think, but I disagree," I'm getting more to the. Uh, it's to like the, uh, agree Craig, to disagree. Wait that. Wait a that. It yeah, there. it's like Craig I, right? We yeah. don't agree on anything, but we're friends. Yeah. I like Craig. He likes me. We're exactly.
0: me find a nice happy medium. Yeah.
1: So I'll go ahead and I'll play this for you this guys. This is gonna be so good. I'll play this for you guys, um, and we'll. We'll, uh, we'll enjoy this together. Oh, God. What no- what number did I just write down in circles? 40. 40 bombs for Will Myers. Uh-huh. Two, Makita. I'm stoked about Makita, dude. And then three, obviously. You have I'm very to interested in what Makita It's intriguing, dude, because yeah. you sit there and you hear that he's throwing in the mid-80s. You're like, oh, boy, here we go. Like, you're not going to blow anyway, anyone away with mid-80s. But Makita does, and the reason why is because he sets him up with a 58-mile-an-hour curveball. <laughs> and he's coming from that arm slot, and it's just, it's insane, man. Like, I can't see anyone really squaring him up. So to see Makita up there, and I think they're going to use him in big leverage situations. Oh, I think he's their setup guy. I think it's him and Yates are the setup guys. Yeah. yeah. I have out smoking hot girlfriend. Uh, It'd
0: be really interesting. Yeah, great, great point, David J. Yeah, excellent point. Subscribe to Madfriars. Don't be like me.
1: Yeah, don't be like Danny. Matt first. Yeah, this problem. is uh
0: this
1: pitching is awful. So I'm going to go
0: 65 and 97. That is my prediction for the Padres. 65 and 97. They're going to be bad the first half and worse the second half cuz they'll have some younger players that fucking scrubs. <laughs> you can't do anything right. This <laughs> goddamn team can't do anything right.
1: Me yeah. personally, I think it would be really nice if they go out there and have a record of 69 and 93. Yeah, that'd be a real nice season. I think Hosmer's going to put up
0: I don't know if he's gonna be a four-win player. I think he'll put up a solid above average year. I don't think he's gonna I hope he doesn't go into those uh well that was really good last year, so this year's the year to suck. <laughs> I got uh, paid another free agent. And see what you... And next year's the year to do it. I know Marvin said all oh, this year because I could realistically get Hosmer. It's a bad sign when two last place loser teams were the only two teams
1: in on supposedly the premier free agent of this offseason. Well against lefties. I think we're also both on board that if the package is right. I'm trading away Perella too. Yeah. Oh, if you can get a lottery ticket. If you can get Edward Olivares for
0: fucking Perella, you do it.
1: I think he's worth more than that. I don't. If, if, if he continues to perform, he still has years of control. He does, he's but not he's some schlub. The problem is, he's a little bit older. And um, I, I, I don't, I don't know what it is, but I'm when it comes to Perella, I'm scared as hell that it's not going to hold. And I, I don't think it's going. I would hold rather either. trade him while the trade while his value is at its as peak as like we should have done with Tyson Ross and what we should have done with Derek Norris and Chase Headley, damn it, and Chase Headley.
0: Jordan Law's first career has been worth minus three and a half wins. By the way, he has been absolutely atrocious. It's amazing. Trash. It is amazing. That he's even on a fucking major league roster, even as bad as a Padres. It's much less a guaranteed deal. <laughs> it's the best part. They gave him a guaranteed fucking contract and he was worth Which deal, minus which one deal of-
1: is worse? Jordan oh. Lyles or 97.3 The Machine? Which one of those deals is worse? Well, they're for both the train wrecks. What if Makita's their all star? <laughs> That'd be fucking hilarious. How rad would that be?
0: <laughs> Renfro's kind of like that baby deer where it's like, you know, you know, he's gonna be a beautiful, striding creature someday. But right now he's just hobbling all over himself, learning how to walk. <laughs> uh, Padres rookie of the year. Padres rookie of the year this
1: year. Oh, rookie of the year. Yeah, lots. Of, I, I feel like we have a lot of options the second half of the season. Um, rookie of the year. Shit. You know what? I'm gonna go Makita, dude. Really? I'm a big you can't Makita count guy. that. Well, just... I'm a believer. Yeah.
0: I'm a six foot two, blonde, blonde hair, blue eyed, mustached white male on the radio
1: <laughs> that's what i'm looking forward to yeah, so well, do, let, let me do my best at jim rome impression there we go for whatever reason like i don't know why i was so in love with makita jesus dude <laughs> jesus like
0: every sound drop in there we had some pretty good zingers i did pretty good on that win-loss record though. you know
1: what's funny pretty, like pretty, pretty yeah stoked. there's there's some on there there's someone there where it's like, hey, like, yeah, we were we were kind of right. But the then the Hosmer thing, we were... Yeah. yeah. But then there's others where it's like you couldn't be more wrong.
0: Oh, the Perella one is bad. Yeah,
1: it's like, <laughs> yeah, like we for whatever reason we're convinced that Perella had some sort of value. I hope
0: Marver doesn't listen to this episode because yeah. we're gonna hear it. <laughs> yeah,
1: so it's just like. I don't know, The Makita takes are easily the best one. I fell in love with that delivery, dude. And I thought for sure, the deception. I thought he was going to be a smoke and mirrors guy this year. The soap bubble did not pan out. The soap God. bubble indeed uh, popped. You know, it's it's just, I was listening to that, and all those hot takes were from one episode. <laughs> <laughs> Where's my Lucchese hot take? And I picked him to, to break out and then and crack the roster. And... Yeah. I yeah. got that one right somewhere in there. I was too busy uh finding the drop where you said, I have a smoking hot girlfriend, yeah, that lasted all of one, two weeks, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh God, that would yeah. hurt. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I had fun putting that together today. Um, I, I, was, I was listening back, and I was like, Jesus. I'm
0: also still a six foot two, blonde haired blue eyed <laughs> white male with a dashing mustache. Yeah. On the radio.
1: Yeah. So good God, man. Like, we we got to do that for. Uh, you know what week. I'm gonna do? Like when we come back from the off season, I'm gonna play some of what we're about to talk about and see how wrong we were about the the uh, path that they take for this off season. So yeah. we kind of talked about it before um, at the on. Deck game. Before that, there was a, uh, the SD Social Summit, which I did not get an invite to, in which shocking. Yeah, and which I wouldn't have been able to go to anyways. But um, they did have this thing that was a members-only uh, town <coughs> hall meeting, and they had uh, guys like uh, Groupner was there, uh, Fowler, Uncle Ron, um, AJ Preller, DJ Wayne. Wayne DJ Wayne was standing off to the side <laughs> awkwardly, just uh. hovering over the whole thing. Um, but they had that, and one thing that stuck out to me in particular was somebody, they had these pre-asked questions that Agler had um, for them, and he had, yeah, um, they had asked, I think it was Fran wants to know, like the first... and that's Fran a, Mill? No, that's another thing, <laughs> that's another thing about the uh, that section there. <clears throat> they had it in section 107, and the first three or four rows, you know the typical... The typical old whitey with the titleist visor and the the Hawaiian Hawaiian shirt, filled with those guys. The Hawaiian shirts, the uh, the khaki shorts, and the Birkenstocks. Yeah, filled with them, filled with them. So one of the questions was to Uncle Ron. They asked um, if there's any, or to excuse me, to AJ Preller, if there's any stars that are coming on the radar in free agency in the upcoming season. So um, to that point, Jesse Agler asked Uncle Ron. He gave him the shot to answer that first. He asked him about um, about that, and Uncle Ron said something along the lines of, you know, we are really committed to building from within. I think we're doing a great job of that, and some blah, blah, I blah, blah remaining that. patient, which, yeah, I agree with that. And then he <sighs> says, you know, we're not going to be the team that will sit there and throw out $500 million or even $300 million, uh over, over 10 years. That's just not us. To which, all of a sudden, my, my shoulders started sinking lower. My head went down <laughs> the the So I was like, well... Machado's out of the question. Right? Machado's Maybe. completely out of the question at this point. Uncle Ron all but, like, showed us his cards. Maybe, but then Preller, and you guys can check it out, MLB
0: Trade Rumors had an interview that good old AJ Casablanca yeah. had some quotes in there on the article. But Preller all but stated, like, yeah, you know, we, we want to add, you know, we have a lot of debt, but according to that article they only have like 51 million dollars tied
1: up in payroll next year that's it but it's like league basically... average roughly 135 140 it might even be 150 next year yeah
0: we'll say we'll say just to give a nice even number it's 150 median payroll right there they have like 100 million dollars to basically do whatever they want with they basically have 100 million in house money right and preller had indicated like yeah you know we're going to look into add into trade but we don't want to trade like you know, like our up-and-coming stars, like, we don't want a short fix like that. We really want to just focus on trying to get the team better now and in the future. And he kind of hinted that, yeah, they might, you know, every every time there's been a player, whether it's free agency or in the trade market, like premier players, the Padres have been, you know, for you know, good, bad, or otherwise, have been a part of those discussions. They were a part of the... You know, there were talks about them kicking the tires on DeGrom and Cindergaard. And we know, you know, the Archer talks were there. Yeah. So, I know. Thank God. Ill-advised. Thank but God, they were right? There. God, yeah. thank God. But, no, I mean, but to their credit, they're you know, it's not the Potters of old where they're not calling like, yeah, we're not in it. Like, I mean, to his point, they have been in these talks. So, I feel like that kind of counteracted it. Maybe Uncle Ron is just like, yeah, we're not going to play our cards. And just like... I mean, he can't come out and say like, yeah, we're going to go pursue Machado because... That's no, kinda... he can come out and say that. Can he? Why, why wouldn't he? I think it's like it's tampering, isn't it? Or whatever that is. Because remember, David Ortiz. How is
1: it tampering to say we want to go after the best player in the free agent market? Because he's not a free agent yet. I remember David, David Ortiz got talked to by the
0: league for trying to tell. I forget who it was, but for trying to tell somebody, yeah, you should think about coming to the Red Sox. It might have been Machado it was somebody that he's good friends with, where he said, like, yeah, you know, you should think about playing for Boston. They had to tell him, like, look, guy, like, you can't do that kind of stuff. And so. I don't think they can come. Yeah, out. but that's
1: different. He was addressing the player directly. Uncle Ron is talking to a a fan base, and he's he's telling his fan base, his yeah. season ticket holders, "Hey, we're going after the best players." I don't.
0: Well, it's it's one thing to say that, Spe- yeah. And yeah. he was the speaking in generalities, players, yeah. anyways, yeah. because he threw out numbers. He didn't mention Machado. Sure. In yeah. Which, yeah. For him to come out and say like, "Yeah, we're going to pursue Machado," I don't think you can say that. But I do think he could. He could say, "Yeah, we're going to go after the best players." Speaking, like you said, in generalities. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to take with that because they've already signed enough. I mean, they signed James Shields. That was, I think, the biggest free agent contract at the time. They went ahead and doubled down on that with uh, Hosmer, giving him almost twice as much. So, and they have they have money to play with. Like realistically, most of the guys on the team right now aren't going to be here when they're good, anyways. You know, if you're thinking Margot, Renfro, Hedges, Reyes, and uh, Mejia and Urias are all going to be, here. those are going to be the guys that you know you can really bet on, other than. Hosmer Myers, whose salaries are finite, like they're locked in. They're not going to keep rising other than what you're guaranteed for. None of those guys are going to be making any money for the first three or four years. They could legitimately go out and spend a ton of money right up front to try to get the best player available yeah. and still not hurt. I mean, they can give, if they're only having $50 million committed next year, they can give Machado $40 million a year mm-hmm. f- next year. Front and still, yeah, and still be under $100 million and still have more than enough money to go around. Yeah. And to me, he's franchise-changing. So I'm hoping that... Ron, Uncle Ron, is just kind of like not trying to play his hand or get the fans' hopes up. Because remember, he's always said before, you know, we want to... What is it? uh, Under-promise and and over-deliver. Well, I mean, he
1: kind of did. You know, they they did that with Hosmer. If this is him under-promising, he's doing a great job. (laughs) He's doing a great job of it. Because I'm sitting here like, damn! Like, we're we're literally, at that point, literally not even into the offseason yet, and I already feel defeated. You know what I mean? Like, if that was his way of doing that, then he's doing a great job. So... But, I mean, like, we can we can dream on Machado. We can say it makes sense, which it clearly does. Absolutely. We can say it's feasible, which it clearly is financially with the team. But realistically, it's not going to happen, right? Realistically, I mean, realistically take a realistic look at it. It's more than likely not going to happen.
0: 29 teams aren't going to sign him. I mean, the chances of, you have to think of the teams that will be in the market. I think the Dodgers would seriously consider re-signing him. Especially.
1: They seem kind of hesitant to toss out big money, though. Like yeah, long term deals, I, I think they. Need it looks to, like they're. It seems like they're trying to get away from it. Which I I'd make the exception for Machado all well, day. Well, yeah, after. absolutely,
0: because of his age, right? right, and because of his health history. I mean, he had the bad knees, but that's been about it. But right. you know, for the Dodgers, I think they're they're more concerned. Whereas if they lose Kershaw, even though he's not what he was, if they lose Kershaw, that's a bigger blow than getting Seager back in place of Machado. Is it though? Is he worth that thirty mil? I don't think he's worth. Th- I don't think he. I, th- I don't know if he opts out. I mean, he might. He might not. He'd just, be an
1: idiot topped out. I mean, honestly.
0: unless he can get like an extra year or two to make up for it, right? Yeah. Like, if he can get like two extra years, then yeah. But. Um, yeah, I mean, you got to think the Dodgers. I mean, realistically, could be in the running. The Phillies are definitely going to yeah. be in the running because they were right there trying to get him at the trade deadline. Right. They ha- they're like the Padres. They have very little committed salary. Tons they have prospects of payroll- coming up and
1: money to spend. Yeah,
0: tons of payroll space. Plus, they have a farm system that's closer to delivering than the Padres. Yeah, they're hungry, dude. The Braves. I mean, might be a fit potentially. Who knows? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of other teams. Actually, be- the Yankees have money to spend. They could be a fit potential. He'd fit. The- he'd be a huge upgrade over Andujar, who I like. I like Andujar, but the guy he's been awful defensively. Machado's an instant upgrade. He's probably defensively, no offense Arenado, maybe defensively the best third baseman in the game if he's sticking back over there. Plus the bat, I mean he's amazing offensively. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- there's four teams right there, and those guys all have more money than the Padres do. Right. And that doesn't include anybody that you know might decide to just say, hey, you know what, we're going to kind of test the waters. Maybe we have some money to spend. But I, I mean, I think the Padres can make a legitimate offer. It's just a matter of can you sell him? You're going to have to overpay him, but. You're probably right, just because of the market, the way it's shaping, that there's so much competition. It's not like with Hosmer, right? I said it in the fucking clip, yeah. in your little clip fest there. Yeah. You had two loser teams bidding for the quote-unquote premier free agent. You know, it's not going to be like with Hosmer, where he's kind of a, a flawed free agent. He's pretty limited, so you can get him on if he performs a pretty decent deal. Um, Whereas Machado, like, you're going to have to literally outbid other teams. You're going to have to sell him not only on the team, but you're also gonna, probably going to have to overpay to get him. You're going to have to do what the Mariners did to get Cano. Right. But they can do it. if the Mariners, I mean, the Mariners it. have, I think, deeper pockets. But, you know, the Mariners have no hope. They have no farm system. <laughs> they don't. They have, Look at their farm yeah. system's awful. I mean, to, to Poto's credit, he's probably just doing what management wants him to do. And, you know... Just try to build a contender as soon as you can. The poor bastards won 90 games, and they're sitting on their asses today. Like the other uh, however many teams are on their asses after today with 24 or 22, whatever it is. But still, they have no hope. They signed Cano, who is the premier free agent that year. And other than the steroid bust this year, the PEDs, that guy's been absolutely worth the money. The Padres can do that. They have more than enough payroll space to do that and to make it work. And he's such a fit. For the love of God,
1: just offer him a contract. They can't control if they sign him, but they can control the effort. Well, yeah, they can absolutely control the effort, and it just what well, we've said all along. We've said this all along, even way back. If you can remember, um, if you guys listen, on, uh, you've stuck and with I, us this long. Well, no, Danny and I went um, over to Roy and Angela's house, and we were on the Working the Count podcast, which has gone silent recently. But we were on it's that on months ago, yeah, long, long time ago. Saying, and I've said the same thing the whole time. Don't sit there and tell me that you're doing everything you can to win. If you don't aggressively pursue him like aggressively pursue him literally everything you can that whole pitch that you made to otani like they put everything they could into pitching otani on san diego because he was cheap proler learned japanese to to present to otani exactly that's amazing do that same thing but for machado and throw the money behind it don't make a hey man look sell him on promise but then say hey if you take a little bit less we can probably do more Go after him. I would be happy if they felt like, you know, we have a glutton of
0: outfielders, but we feel like we can probably get something of value, and we might not get Machado. Let's go after Harper. Maybe we can get him, too. Just go after somebody that you think is going to be franchise-changing. You have to. Machado is the better fit because you don't have a third baseman. Like I love Will Myers, but to me, Will Myers, unfortunately, and this guy's a hack, Canapa. I think Myers doesn't fit here anymore. Because he keeps playing out of position other than first base. They can't move Hosmer. He has no value right now. They could eat some of Myers' contract and move him. So they need a third baseman. Machado absolutely fits that. And they have a glutton of outfielders that they can move if they want to keep Myers. But if they want to go after fucking Harper, if they think he's the guy, and maybe he's less of a price tag because of other factors, you know, he's injury prone. He's still he going to re- be a
1: hefty price tag. He is.
0: They're both going to be hefty-ass price tags. But they are game-changing when it comes to this roster.
1: Yeah, 100%. I would be
0: happy to deal both... Reyes, Renfro, and fucking throw Will Myers in there. I'll be having to deal with all three of them if it means that they're going to make room to put Harper in the outfield. But they need to go after the best players they have the payroll space to do it, and there are fits here. And if there's not, you make a fit. There wasn't a fit for Eric Hosmer here and you made room for him. Yeah. You do that with a Machado or a Harper.
1: Yeah. And that's but again, realistically, they're not going to sign those guys. So we have to take a realistic look at what the offseason is going to look like and what the Padres is going to look like going into next year. Realistically, um, you go in the outfield. I, I would say at this point you have Renfro and you have Reyes in particular. They've locked down the corners. They've locked down the corner outfield positions. Yeah. So then in my opinion. I do opinion, think you
0: have to pick one. But, yeah, I, I would agree with you as of right now.
1: Yeah. And then in my opinion, you let Franchi. If Franchi's going to play winter ball, I don't know. Whatever it's I he's think gonna he's going to be healthy. Um, if he's not already. I, you got to give him a look somewhere. So I don't. I wouldn't put Franchi in one of those corner positions. That's just me. I wouldn't just give it to him. I'm letting him fight it out for center with Margot because yeah. I was, I, I, I wasn't, I was underwhelmed with Margot. So I'm I letting too. them fight it out. But I, I, think you have those two guys in the corners. I think you have one of uh, Margot or Franchi, even though the defense is not going to be there for Franchi. Maybe you have one of those two guys out in center, and yeah. that's that's your outfield. And then you have Will Myers at third base. So that brings up another good thing, like they if they don't sign machado or whatever when <laughs> when they don't sign machado there's no they're going to stay internally right they have yeah. to stay internally they're going to stand pat because they got to figure out what they have because they're going to have a glutton of arms coming up next year i'll be intrigued and myers has said has said as much that he would kind of prefer to stay in a in a position yeah so if you have him at third he knows he's at third he has the entire offseason to work on his defense at third i'd be intrigued to see how he shows up in the spring looking I don't think he'd be bad
0: at. I don't think he's going to be a gold glover by any means, but I don't he think he'll get be to the
1: point where he's serviceable. Yeah, he
0: doesn't need to be anything, but yeah, serviceable. He doesn't need to be a gold glover. He can be slightly below average as long as he hits. That's the part that counts. Yeah. So and even if he puts up what he did this year, I'd have to look up what the league average for third base was, but I don't think it's going to be too far off. Um, he did seem shaky defensively. Oh yeah, but I the mean, the thing is, and like people you're asking him to play a position he probably hasn't played since like little league. Basically, in the beginning of the season with very few reps.
1: Yeah, he hasn't... I mean, it's played, a big ask. I mean, I don't know about Little League, but it's been a long time since he's played third base. And exactly, middle of the season, it's like, hey, Will, hey, I know we had you move to left, and uh, you actually did a pretty good job out in the outfield, uh, despite what other people may think with their eye test. But, uh, <laughs> hey, guess what? We're, we're going to throw you a third, so go get him, champ. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, it's not that easy. It doesn't work that way. Like, you need... I think at the very... Mid, at the very least you need an off season to prepare yourself and he's yeah. going to have that off season to prepare himself to play third base going into next year yeah. so i'll be intrigued to see again how he shows up in camp how he's looking defensively again he's not going to be perfect but he didn't look awful at third base he at just, times he looked awful at times because he's not a third baseman
0: Then you can tell right the now.
1: natural instincts aren't there yeah i mean <laughs> but he needs
0: there. he needs rep i mean offensively this year in major leagues uh an average, the the major league third baseman on average was 251 324 on base, 425 slugging, about 2% above league average. So it's a league average hitter, right? Myers clears that easily. His on-base is roughly there, but he slugs above that easily. Yeah. So he can hit average or slightly above league average for a third baseman. If you can get average defense or slightly below average, that just plays out to a league average regular, he, which is valuable. It's not as valuable as he could be if you move him, but it's something. It's better than... I know people are saying, oh, don't forget, we have Christian Villanueva. That guy's toast to me. Yeah. Like, to me, Villa is the platoon lefty bat that comes in and plays third or first when they need, like, they want to give Hosmer a day off and a DH day. Estolo. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. He's yeah. done. Like, I love Villa. But he had that great, like, three weeks. And then the Ponce Power was done. He was toast. He, was, yeah. it, it, he broke his hand, I think, right? And I think that's what happened to him. Has he been on the DL for a while. He's but been, he's been gone for a long time. I forgot he was on the team to be <laughs> to be honest
1: with you. Yeah, but he's toast. Like I think you give Myers an offseason, he'll be fine. Yeah, not great. So Myers but played. He'll be fine. Myers played what eighty two games. He's pacing like fifty doubles. Eighty six games he played. Okay, so he's he's pacing at least forty doubles, right? I mean, you never want to. I don't play think. the pace game? Yeah, you never want to play the pace game, but I've always been the type of like, hey, if they played 80 games, times it by two.
0: He walked almost 9% of the time. He slugged 446. He was 7% above league average per fan graphs. Uh, per fan graphs as metric, he was still about a win and a half better than average uh, or. You know, a win and a half better than replacement. He played 83 games, played half a season. So, assuming he keeps it up, you'd think he's a three-win player. That's not a bad player to have. Yeah. Especially against... Cons- I mean, defensive runs saved in the small sample size liked him. Ultimate zone rating hated him. <laughs> so, he probably just doesn't have a ton of range. But I don't think he could be that terrible
1: if he... He can't be worse than Villanueva, Yeah, who's an actual third baseman. It's like my thing... <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, pardon me. As much as I love Will, as much as I love Will, as much as I do think he brings a lot to the table, if he gets traded, I'll kind of have, like, a sigh of relief. I'll feel... Because I don't have to deal with all... God, dude. Like, there's nothing more annoying to me than Padre's Twitter when it comes to Will Myers.
0: By the way, Will Myers is an excellent base runner. I just want to throw that out there. He had a really good year on the base pass. But it, it, it's annoying. He's so... What's that word I'm looking for? It's like he's polarizing, dude. Thank you. That's the word I'm looking for. He's po- it's it's su- he's such a divisive player, right? Yeah. Like it's kind of like when Ho- it's like when Hosmer was signed, there was such a a divide among the fans. I was in the camp of like, great, I'm happy they're spending money. You can't say that they're not spending money, but for me he's just not a fit and I don't trust his underlying metrics. I don't <laughs> trust the ground ball ratio. I don't trust that he that last year I believe he had the lowest, like, hard-hit contact rate of his career. I don't trust the defense. I don't buy the whole, oh, he leads in scoops. Cue that, <laughs> cue that SpongeBob meme. Right. Oh, he leads in scoops. That just means he had guys throwing more balls at him terribly than anybody else. It's, right. it, it's not a rate number. It's just a counting number. I, I didn't buy into the underlying stuff. And, unfortunately, it came to a head, right? 60-plus percent ground ball rate. Uh, uh, rate. He's basically D gordon with the bat, just like a foot taller. <laughs> like, I, I didn't think he was a fit. With Myers, it's like... I don't know how Hosmer went from being as divisive as he was, or I think like people just kind of let him go. But then Myers became the whipping boy. He did. He really. I mean, did. He, he it's not his fault. Like he was moved. We got him and we put him out of position in center. Yonder Alonso got hurt and he said, "Hey guys, I'll play first. He did pretty well and then got hurt. Mm-hmm. The next year he plays first. He's an all-star. He had a great first half, fell off the second half, admitted to it. Even said like, "Yeah, I need to be better about it." You know, I'll, I'll open up. Like he's taking accountability. Yeah. Where it took Hosmer basically seventy-five percent of failure. Until September rolled around and thought, maybe I'll try to hit the ball off my back foot now. <laughs> like, it took him that long. You know, maybe I'll start swinging up. Yeah, maybe just now, even though I've been being told this for the last two or three years. you yeah. know. And then he goes, comes in. He loses his spot literally the week spring training starts, right? Mm-hmm. They signed Hosmer the week of spring training, I believe, right yeah. before it started. So he shows up. Hey, by the way, you're going to the outfield. So go back to a position that you're not particularly good at. Then, you know, Cordero and Margot and Jankowski and Reyes and Renfro, they're all
1: getting playing time. Hey, Will, go to third. No. Like, I don't understand how you could hate a guy. And what does Will say? He's like, yeah, sure. great. Will is like the epitome, and we were talking about this before we started recording. Will is the guy who's like, hey, man, you know, it's whatever it takes for a team to win. That's Will Myers. Whatever you hate me, him. coach. Yeah. Here's why people hate him. And it's the most common thing that I see on Padres Twitter. And I'm not calling out any one particular person that hates Myers um, for no reason and that happens to have uh be a part of another podcast. <laughs> I'm not calling out that one person in particular because there's I see it all over the place. The will detractors, the common thing. Man, he just looks so disinterested. He so looks did so Khalil Green, he was good. He looks so bored, man. I just God, he's just like I'm sitting there and, and I'm watching him, right? Like I'm watching him get ready in between plays and he's just kicking the dirt around. He's kick who gives a fuck, dude? Like who cares? Like that's that's the most common thing when you hear about Will Myers. It's his quote-unquote his attitude and he looks bored and he can't keep
0: his head in the game i wouldn't be surprised if the same people love david Eckstein, even though he wasn't very good yeah yeah because david Eckstein was the hustler right it's like that kid in little league right you can't stand that lackadaisical kid in little league because he looks like he doesn't care and you think he'd be so much better if he wasn't trying like will myers flat out said the year before last, after the twenty when All Star game, twenty sixteen season, right? Yeah, I sucked the second half. Like I yeah. want to get better. So he I've, owned it. Yeah, and they had videos of him doing like kickboxing and you know working on his stamina. He's like, yeah, I want to last longer. Like I'm trying to lift the ball. Don't more. Don't we up. all want to last longer? <laughs> <laughs> That's what she said. Yeah, don't we all? <laughs> you know, I'm trying. I mean, he put it. They had the hype videos for him, but like he's putting in legitimate effort in the off season. To try to better what he felt was a shortcoming, right? And then going into this, you know, going into this year, what did he do this past off season? Hey, you know what? I found out that I have a really tough time mentally with failure. I don't do well with failure, and it it, it doesn't make me disinterested. It just I noticed that I struggle with it. So I'm going to go see a sports psychologist. I'm making sure that I have the mental game wrapped up so that I can perform and continue to perform and be better mentally to stay in the game. This guy every year seems to be owning something that he didn't do. He flat out said, like, I wanted to be the clubhouse guy. It's just not me. It's just not who I am. I tried. I, I can't be something I'm not.
1: So, very honest with that Darren Smith interview that he yep. had during spring training.
0: And still he gets crapped on. I don't yep. understand it.
1: And then in the same breath, like, we'll sit there and be like, God, man, player interviews are so boring. They never say anything. That's why they don't say anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's... Like, you're damned if you do, damned yeah.
0: if you don't. Exactly. I don't think... It's not Will Myers' fault that this team has basically... like. It was a bad trade to begin with. As much as I like Myers, it was a bad trade to begin with. It was going to be doomed to fail from the start. He traded a top shortstop prospect who's now basically an all-star to get Will Myers. But this guy has done everything this organization has asked for him. It's not his
1: fault that he was handed the contract he was handed. Injuries happen. That's it, another common thing. Yeah. He can't stay on the field, which that's the one thing I'll, I'll give you. He I mean, was
0: healthy in 2015 and 26, or 2016 and 17. Nobody was bitching about injuries then. Yeah. He just... He just got hurt. Yeah, injuries I mean, that's, happen. You know, that's are you going to complain about Urias? Like, he got hurt too, and yeah. he's missing the rest of the year. Villanueva got hurt. Tatis got hurt. Yeah. It happens. I mean, it happens. It's not like he got hurt for a nagging injury that he just didn't deal with. He dealt with the one problem he had with the wrist yeah. issue. He was fine for two years. Two and a half years, he's played no issue with the wrist.
1: Yep. Sometimes this shit happens. You get hurt. Yeah. It's a part of the game. So, I think we agree we have him at third base. <laughs> yes. Um uh, Urius is a lock at second base Yes, Hosmer's at first, he's, he ain't going nowhere, <laughs> no one's touching that And I, I was
0: hoping him. that somebody would claim him off waivers for the hell of it,
1: <laughs> and that they'd be like, okay <laughs> Yeah, but still, that's a bad look, anyways I don't um, care about that, behind the plate I think it's interesting, it'll be interesting to see if they deal hedges, or if they stick stick them around and uh, keep two of them I personally think, I want them to keep Mejia, I want them to keep hedges, I want Mejia to be a starting catcher going into next year, but then that brings up shortstop So, shortstop. I mean, we opened up the show talking about it. There's a realistic chance that they bring back Freddie Galvis.
0: There is. I do want to touch on catcher real quick. I do think there are enough at-bats to go around because I think you can start me 100 times, start Hedges the other 62, and then the random days they have the DH, you can kind of run both of them out there at the same time. Right. Um But I do think... I mean, Hed just kind of tailed off towards the the latter half. I think that might have been related to playing time because they were giving Mejia quite a bit of time to start and then he just vanished. I don't know what happened. And then everybody wanted to see AJ Ellis get a last at bat.
1: (laughs) Especially Hedges. Do you, you see all that? Oh, They're God. saying that Hedges pushed for it. Like Ellis is like, nah, I don't want a charity start. I don't want, you know, I don't want any of that. And then supposedly Hedges was the one that pushed for it because, man, you guys just don't understand how much of a mentor and how much he means to me. Even his flaccid wrist. Blah blah blah. And supposedly Hedges campaigned for Ellis to get one last start on Saturday. And so that's that's what Christ. happened. Hedges yeah. is
0: getting into Nick Hunley territory right yeah, now. Yeah. Terrible. But anyways, but anyway, like. I, I think Hedges does have some value to a team. I don't know what Tampa's prospect catching situation is. I know I got a kid in there, but I didn't bother to look too much into him. But Hedges, I mean, they had Jose Molina starting as a catcher, and they love their pitch framers. So Hedges would be a fit there. I wouldn't be surprised if that not a big price tag. But the Yankees could definitely use Hedges. He'd be an instant it, defensive, yeah. upgrade. defensive upgrade. And then you can sure. go stick. Uh, you can go stick Sanchez either at first because he can't be. He's not a worse hitter than Greg Bird. I don't know how much worse he can be defensively, or you can just you know play musical chairs with the DH, which is something the Yankees have been pretty good at of late. So, yeah. I mean, there's some there's some room for Hedges to go some places around the league. It just depends on how much you can get for him. I don't think they should undersell and just give him away. Maybe they can package him. You know, there've been talks, but I do. think He has some some value there.
1: So you think you think, hey, get rid of him. I would prefer. It depends on the value. I I would or the what they're getting back. Here's I, what I like. I like the idea of getting rid of him. Um, beat for one reason, if you get rid of Hedges, there is no question who the starting catcher exactly. is. Exactly, and that's the other. And
0: I mean that touches on what we've been. What yeah, you know, I mentioned already because every. I feel like every time I tune in, you know, Mejia's is not playing. Hedges is getting the most of bats. Hedges is you know I mean Ellis got the stupid charity start right. you know like he's been it's it, it's like Mark Kotsay syndrome right like hey let's give it up for Kotsay this guy's <laughs> not even a Padre like yeah. he was here for a couple of years the guy we got back was more of a Padre right but you're right if Hedges is on the roster that's what I fear it's like with Jankowski I don't hate Jankowski I like Jankowski I think he's a great fourth outfielder if it wasn't for Margot or Cordero yeah absolutely run him out there every day I think he could be an everyday guy you, you know agree. a fringe guy because he has some tools that play up but. So long as he's on the roster, it jeopardizes playing time for guys that are better future pieces, like Amargo, or if you're going to move him in center Cordero. Hedges jeopardizes playing time for Mejia, and because he does that, I don't want him on the roster to give them that option. If they bring back A.J. Ellis, great. He's not going to start every day over Mejia, because they didn't start him every day over Ellis. You know, The idea was, get Hedges, or excuse me, over Hedges. The idea is, get Hedges as much time as you can, assuming health. Let him play as much as you can, 120, 130 games, which... He might have hit had he not gotten hurt. And then, you know, Ellis just goes in there to catch every now and then. You know, the Sunday start. He's a Sunday starter. Um, If they have Hedges, I can't see that. I can see them splitting time. I can see it going like Hedges gets 90 and Mejia gets the other, you know, 70. Or they split it evenly 81-81. I don't like that for two reasons. Number one, that's not conducive to your pitching staff because you're splitting catchers everywhere. It could lead to a situation like Rene Rivera was here. And I mentioned this last time. Yeah. Rene Rivera took a lot of starts from Grandall because the pitchers preferred him. And if Andy Green is like Bud Black and he's just going to say, okay, you guys pick your starting catcher, then Grandall, you know, he's going to get Grandall and get the crappy starters. Um, and again, if if Hedges is playing and you got the hot hand, you got two young guys, now, you know, he's losing out on at bats because maybe he's slumping and Hedges is hitting. So it creates too many problems to have him here. I would rather them deal him and get something of value back. I don't want him to give him away. Like, if you have to have him, great. But they need to commit to one of the two. And I think Mejia has the higher upside. I like Hedges. I loved Hedges up until they got Mejia. Once he got here, I feel like Hedges is expendable.
1: Right. Yeah. I, I would totally agree and with that. And Preller traded for Mejia in the first place. I mean, he he specifically wanted that one player. Two for one deal. I think deal. right there. Like, right there and then. I Like, part of me mm-hmm. wonders if that's just like, hey, we're taking the best available return for uh, these relievers. Or... Or if he's like, hey, you know what? Not only is he the best available return, he also plays a position where Hedges, we know what we have. Yeah. Like I'm ready to move on. That's initially that's my reaction. Is he's like, hey, I'm ready to move on. From he views Hedges. it as an upgrade. E- exactly. I think you can view pitch receiving and framing as an up
0: as as a skill and thinks this guy's already got a plus arm, so his arm's not lesser than Hedges. Yeah, he can learn to call a game. We can work. I and mean, the Potters have done a hell of a job developing these young guys. You know that that have raw tools, and all of a sudden they're turning him into something. Yeah. Um, so I I think he thinks, hey, we get him in our system, we we teach him, and we like this guy better than the guy we have right now. I I personally thought that was the the mindset. Yeah, he's the best player available. Maybe they could have gotten more, you know, quantity over quality. But I do think them saying we want that guy's a top catching prospect in the game. We want him because we think he's going to be better long-term. The despite is, his flaws, because yeah, he does have flaws. Despite his flaws. But, I mean, grandall
1: wasn't a great defensive right. catcher when we got him either. Yeah, and, we, and we've talked about that. And the that. Dodgers
0: so, picked him up strictly for pitch framing. I, so.
1: I think that what it comes down to for me, I mean, I, I can see both sides. I think having both catchers, having both those guys brings a lot of value. But I'm not sure if for me that trumps the idea of getting rid of one of them so we know for sure who the starter is. No No. question. Because I don't know if I trust Andy to effectively manage those guys if if Andy's the guy next year. Yeah, I I think he'll be the guy. And I mean, to Andy's credit, it's a tough position to be in because
0: you have to figure out... Which do you value more? Like I've said it a million times, you know, when I talked about just imagine before we got me here, like you have this great defensive catcher and hedges. You've got two guys who are graded above average defensively in Tatis and Arias next year. Plus, you have Margot, who's like I haven't checked in a while, but last I checked was like top five per Statcast in terms of like uh, defensive rating. And Statcast, it's inarguable; you cannot argue with it. It's it's about as finite as we're going to get with defensive metrics. It's the it's the end of that. Yeah. So. But do you, and I've always said, like, up the middle players are the most valuable. Do you sacrifice some defense to get some offense? Like, Andy Green's in a tough position in that case. And I don't, there's no room to put Mejia in the outfield at this point. No. You don't really have a spot at third base, and I don't know how good he is at it, anyways. And I don't know how much his bat plays up at those positions where his catcher, the offensive bar is a lot lower. Exactly. So, I mean, he could be a a mediocre at best catcher with tons of upside offensively if he learns how to take a pitch, and then that's going to play up. Whereas Hedges, his only value is that he can catch. He's not going to hit. so I don't, it's, it's a tough position for Green to be in, in general. Right. So I would, I would, like I said, I, I don't want to give away Hedges, but I agree with you in that. I would rather them trade one so that you know for sure the other one is the guy they're going with, and there's no questions. Like there was this year when they got Hedges, or when they let Hedges have the job, and then Ellis was automatically the backup
1: yeah agreed so we're coming up around 53 54 minutes here so that long, huh? uh winding down here i, I want to get your thoughts quickly um what what do you think they do at shortstop i honestly think
0: they're gonna bring galvis back with the under because and, and to uncle ron's credit he said like we'd lo- like to bring him back we know he wants to play the 162 and he said something along the lines of they're hoping that you know he's kind of more open to uh not being the everyday guy or not being you know the 162 i, I don't mind galvis back and i I don't want him back because it eats up and 4 million is insignificant, 5 million um that you know number's been floated like you don't need to it, at the end of the day
1: it doesn't matter how much he's
0: getting it, paid it's not the it money it really doesn't matter no it's it's not the money um number one number it's more the 40 man roster spot you're eating that up they're already on a 40 man roster crunch letting him go and please don't give him a qualifying offer for the love of god <laughs> I've never agreed with something more with Marver than that in my life. Do not give him sixteen million. That's probably twice as much as he'll make on the open market. Again, I don't care about money. No. I really don't. It's the forty-man roster spot and the fact that we got a guy who could probably glove-wise fill in just fine, and that we have arguably the maybe since like Tony Gwynn or Dave Winfield, like the legitimately best prospect we've ever had in our system, trade drafted or otherwise. Like I mean, Tatis is the most hyped prospect I think we have had since prospects became like a niche thing, right? Like, I mean, other than Tony Gwynn and Winfield, have we ever had a prospect like at this level? And I don't even know if, what Tony was considered when he was drafted. He was a second-round pick. Yeah. Yeah. Like, So we have this teenage phenomenon who's going to knock down the door. He might have been in AAA this year had he not gotten hurt the second half. Yeah. Um, so I don't see the need to just bring him in to fill in. If he's going to be a utility guy, great. I feel like we have that already with Garrett. We already – like a Swahe is probably going to be on the roster. I don't think Spangenberg is. And we have Gara who can play all over the infield, anyways. And he's slick defensively. I, yeah. I don't. I see them bringing him back, but I don't see the need. I would rather just have Gara. But I do see Galvis coming back.
1: I see Galvis looking everywhere he can for a starting gig. Because he knows, dude. These players know. He like he knows where Tatis is. He knows he's. He knows the down who he stick. is. It's like
0: Jimmy Rollins with yeah, Seeger,
1: right? Exactly. He knows. So I see him looking everywhere he can to try to land a starting shortstop gig. To where, hey, my job is not in jeopardy because he does want to play every day. You know he wants to. And I don't blame him. I don't blame him either. No. I don't. I see him doing that. I see if he can't if he can't figure that out, maybe the team does Maybe some teams don't want him. Maybe some teams they're not able to meet financially uh, to terms. If that if that doesn't happen, he's gonna come back. Um, however, when he does come back, if if he comes back for me, hey, you're starting for what a month, two months, however long it takes until they decide they want to bring up Tatis, and then you are a bench guy. Yeah, you're a you are guy. nothing more but a bench guy. But again, that comes into trusting Andy Green to effectively manage that, which I think he will. I mean, if, you know, the thing with I like, at, at the, end of the day, played every day. yeah. At I mean, the at the end of the day. I do. I want it. No, but I do. I, I Galvis is going to come back. I can. And that's see, what I think. He's I can see the back.
0: value in it if he's willing. And I think, and I cited Jimmy Rollins. Jimmy Rollins knew when he went to the Dodgers what his role was. I'm here to bridge the gap between Seager, who was their you know young shortstop phenomenon. I'm here to bridge that gap. I'm just going to try to perform the best I can until they feel he's ready, and then you know understand my role on the team. If Galvis is open to that then, yeah, bring him back. He can fill in utility. And like I said, he's got a slick glove. He's a gr- he's a good defensive shortstop. He's not great. He's not underrated. He's not amazing or gold glove caliber. But he is a good defensive shortstop. That probably plays up at second and third. So, yeah, bring him back if that's going to be his role. And he's okay with it saying, like, hey, you're going to be the guy for six weeks. And then it's go time. Like, it's Tatista's spot. You're just holding it down. And then we'll either try to flip you or you can stay on as a, you know, as a bench guy and just kind of help. Mentor the young kids. I know people keep saying, "Oh, he's such a great mentor," but like this guy wants to play. So if he's he's not in the same position as Rollins was, who was like I think had like one or two more years left. Like he wants to
1: play. I can see him just waiting till spring training to say, "Okay, I'll come back and you know just do this." Exactly. If he comes comes back, back. it's going to be like kind of last minute type deal. That's what I think. Yeah. And honestly, to be brutally honest, or they give him like a two year, you know. Nah, fifteen million dollar deal or something like that, and he sticks. To be with it. brutally honest, I think the main reason why I think he's going to come back is because I don't want him back. <laughs> I'm serious. I think the reason he come back is just there's just not a lot of jobs out there for True. him. Yeah.
0: I mean, where's he going to go? The only place I can think of is is if Baltimore is going to move Beckham back to third, Tim Beckham. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's the only spot I could think he could go to to get an everyday gig, and no other team really needs a shortstop. Even the crummy teams, like the White Sox, they don't need a shortstop right now. Yeah. Uh, the Royals don't need one. I'm trying to think of other worst the Orioles are really the only one. Uh the Tigers. The Tigers could sign him. Because yeah. I think they're losing to Glacius.
1: <laughs> Yeah, so we, we didn't want to make this whole episode about, hey, who was your best player of okay, the season? Okay. Hey, who was the M V P? Hey, who is the rookie of the year? Hey, who was this? Luke we Casey, di- baby. Yeah, we didn't we didn't want to do that, but to close it out here around the hour mark, we'll go um we'll we'll go lows and highs. We'll start with the lows, we'll end with the highs. For you personally, what's the lowest part of the season? Like, hey, this is the shittiest part of the season. Uh pop up gate. <laughs> pop up gate with Hosmer. Pop up gate. Because the problem is I I don't know if Hosmer
0: had stopped any Well to me the lowest part is just Hosmer related, not because I, I don't hate Hosmer. I, he's a good player, but I think his first year in San Diego, you'd be ludicrous to say it wasn't an absolute flop. Slugged under 400, barely got on base, wasn't very good defensively. You know, he had and it, and it started off nice, and then you had well, first you had the stupid commercials of "Hey, I'm Eric Hosmer, and I hit home runs for a living." Yeah. didn't hit a home run until after the giveaway, I don't think. Right, and then you had pop up gate, and then his offense just cratered like. To Craig Maddie's, uh credit, I did not think it was going to be this bad. Right. Like, I mean, this, I think, is probably his worst or second worst offensive season in his career. Terrible. But, I mean, he cratered, and he's 28. He's got maybe one or two more peak years left in him, and then I don't think this is going to be too disfamiliar with us by the time he's in that year five and six. But to me, the lowest is just Hosmer's 2018. Ground balls, galore. everything we were worried about— Coming to fruition. Yeah. Not good defense. Yeah. No homers. Ground ball machine. That's the lowest. What about you?
1: So, I mean, the, the season was riddled in lows, if we're being honest. <laughs> to say the and you least. Know, you know I love to complain about, about shit. But, dude, it's like, where do I start with the lows? So, um, I mean, Kevin Towers dying sucks. Yeah. That absolutely no, I sucks. I feel like an
0: asshole and very no. insensitive for no. not mentioning all the d- –
1: now you know all no. the guys passing because honestly like if you say hey pick one it's it's really hard to pick one as far as the lows because i have multiple highs also um but when it comes to lows yeah i mean hosmer hosmer is right in there with the low of the lows for me honestly it's it's the the lineups i don't mind losing it's the way that we lost and the players that we were running out there that was the that was probably my lowest was the um the way that they went about it, the way that Green went about it that was a low one of the absolute lowest that I've like lowest point ever of me following the team was the fact that they brought back Chase Headley. <laughs> that was but terrible. they got rid of him pretty quickly to their they credit, did, to their credit, they, they had a very short lease. To their credit, the uh, Mitchell experiment that along you know, package with the Headley, um, I'm, I'm absolute flop sick of that. Perella got sick of watching, Perdomo, I
0: think you could throw out there.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Perdomo, that that was. Uh, well that you was... went with multiples. I just went with one, but yeah, these I are don't... all... because I can't pick one. These I can't. Are all... I can't pick one, dude. And it's Makita, Makita, because that that one hurt. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's just there's a lot of lows. Um, I, I I didn't care for the. Uh, the whole Kevin AC bit through the whole season, dude. I, I didn't Ugh. care for it at all. There's the office thing. It's so there's the dis- thing from dis- the ice cream social. <laughs> that whole incident. I, I just I didn't care for anything so involving AC that, yeah. whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um I feel like there's a shit ton of lows. Like there's there's not one glaringly thing. Oh uh, Padre's
0: uh, Twitter racist gate, that was pretty rough. Yeah. That was digging, really rough uh, yeah, actually. Yeah,
1: the digging up of old tweets, that that was that was uh a that was sh- a shitty time. That was a shit show. Um yeah, there's a lot there's a lot of lows. What do you what do you got for uh, the high point? What's what's your I got a couple
0: of high points. Okay. Um number one, Reyes and Renfro and, and even though Renfro's got like a two ninety nine on base guys that say they can't that idiot can't play. You can't move that bat. He's also sorry three
1: hundred on base guy. Sorry, also a low for me. Um Margot. I was, I was really I was going to throw that out there, yeah. I
0: I, I I. fought for him. He had a nice little run for like two months, and then he just kind of cratered. But yeah. I feel like he needs to play every day because last week he showed why he needs to be out there every day. Yeah, exactly. um, So it's kind of hit or miss with Margot. I think uh, somebody said he still put up like a mediocre season overall yeah. totality. But no, I, I think you're right. He he definitely took a step back. Um Cordero getting hurt yeah. and missing the whole season. Tati's going down. Oh god, that's heartbreaking. Torres going down.
1: Let's bring it back to the positives. Let's, let's go back to the positives. <laughs> um
0: Reyes and, and Reyes and more so uh and Renfro. less as much but Renfro kind of establishing themselves. Not like I don't think they're going to be stars. I don't think Reyes is going to hold a 340 it's average the nice something. No, but yeah, you know, they they showed some advancements. Reyes had a huge leg kick. He was punching out a ton. He wasn't making a ton of contact. Um, went down to AAA, worked on abbreviating his stuff and then came back and hit, like, gangbusters. Um, Renfro, even those walk-rate crater towards the end of the year. You know, showing that maybe, number one, he's pretty good in left, I think. I haven't looked up the metrics, but he looks better in left field uh, than he did in right. And, you know, maybe you can make some adjustments and hit that Mark Trumbo ceiling I gave him. You know, mediocre on base at best, but tons of power to make him a slightly above-average hitter. So those are the highs. Um, Joey Lucchese just locking his spot down for next year. We were talking about it off-air. Like, Lauer has not looked impressive at all. I, I feel like if he's not throwing 94, he's toast. Um, as much as we were excited for Knicks, he started the you know the on-deck game last year, and we're like, God, I love this Bulldog guy. I'm sorry, Nix was not imp- like, I was completely disappointed uh, in what Knicks had to show. Um, but Joey Lucchese, man, just locking it down. Nothing fancy, nothing overly dominant, just being what we thought he was going to be, and actually panning out, right? He's a prospect that panned out to our expectations. A very solid number four, number five type of start. He had a great strikeout to walk Raid. Um, Fangraphs likes him because he strikes guys out, doesn't walk a ton. I, I love Lucchese To me, he's the Padre Rookie of the Year. So that was a high. Um, and I think uh, I think that might be about it. And the trade deadline was majestic. Getting Mejia, yeah. I think that was big plus. That pumped some uh, that pumped some uh, some life into us. And getting Urias to come up and you know having the moments of like spectacularness, you know the the flashes of what he could be was exciting. The diving play to start his career, the first play yeah. of his major league career. Um, and of course, you know, the home run to right field and the flashes of brilliance that we got to sell. Those, those would be my, those would be what I remember uh, going uh, into the offseason. How about you?
1: Yeah. So I, I agree with essentially everything there. Um, for me, what sticks out the most is uh, promise, future. So guys like uh, Reyes, I was really impressed with yeah. Reyes. Really impressed. I wasn't expecting that. I wish that. they could
0: move him to first.
1: I Yeah. <laughs> um, I was really impressed with that. Uh, finally getting to see Urias come up, although he. Maybe you can say he underperformed. Yeah. I'm um, I mean, really excited taste. to see him. Uh, you look down in the system, uh, the emergence of Luis Patino. Like, we look like we can have a bona fide oh, Strom, I Strom, as much as I've been, you know, sucking him off yeah. the whole year, Strom has been a huge high for us. Yeah. So, what a steal. If that's all they got, that's that's a yeah. huge steal. You look at that. You look at, Tati started off slow. I was kind of worried at first. Not uh, super worried, but I was like, ugh, God, reading let's Read too go. many Marvel tweets. And then, okay. yeah, and then he turned it on. So, you see that. You see Patino, Paddock. Oh, impressive. Dude. Like you see that you you see these guys and you can start to see it taking shape. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. You can start to see it taking shape, and that was that was probably uh-huh. one of my most exciting mm-hmm. things following the team. However, yep. um, as far as like the biggest pluses for me, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go off the field a oh, little that's bit. Good. Trevor Hoffman Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. Insane. Like, we wanted that for years, and it finally happened. And although I do think the Padres went a little overboard in their exuberance little, of the Hoffman. A little too and the, much. And like, the
0: 98 and the, all that crap. Question, was there any pomp and circumstance about, like, him getting the street named after him? I felt like that kind of flew under the radar. It, it was a little bit under the radar. Yeah. Yeah. I think they were just a little overkill. As, it was. Like, with Tony, they took their time with each one. Like, one year they retired his number. The next year was Tony Gwynn and the statue. And then, like, yeah. the batting title was named after him. Like, Trevor was just like... Fucking let's just throw it all in one in one season. Yeah. Plus a so, 98 overkill.
1: Yeah. So again, to to keep it to keep it in regards to uh, the bullpen and and some of my favorite positives for the season. Uh. I mean, I can't help but look anywhere else then. Everybody it's Phil Hughes of the San Diego Padres and you're listening to the 5.5 podcast. Right there. Mr. Phil Hughes. <laughs> Padres Twitter king, Phil Hughes. Like as fans, when the team is this bad, all that we can ask for is that people, I mean, if we can get a a guy on the team that's engaging and that's uh, likable and that's fun to interact with us and to put up with our bullshit from day one, from day one, from day one, like I'll be honest, dude, when we, when we traded for, for Phil Hughes, I was like, Oh God, (laughs)
0: I loved it just because I knew what they were doing.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah. Yeah. I was like, you could see it was a classic AJ Preller move. Yeah. It was classic. And I'm like, I'm like, "Uh, you know, I don't really know what he has, but uh, you know, we don't know what he has in the tank, but let's see. And then it turns out he's like, he's, one Of the most interactive guys I've ever yeah, seen, yeah, he's on Twitter super. I mean, he
0: endeared himself right
1: off the bat, right? I think dude. that's
0: the highlight of the podcast, yeah. honestly. Oh, dude,
1: by far, easily, yeah, easily. like that's where we peaked. No <laughs> like, offense, Woodsy, <laughs> yeah, like um, having him come on, dude. First of all, I, I still can't believe that he came on the podcast with us. That was great, yeah, that was great. Um, that was that was a huge plus for me was the uh, whole Phil Hughes stuff going on and entertaining us, um, which kind of brings me to the next thing, right? So we have. The whole Padres Twitter king. Hey, King Phil Hughes, blah, blah, blah. You know, as, as much as I love Phil Hughes, you got to move on. Right, He's not with the team anymore. As, as fun as he still is on Twitter and interacting with all of us, you have to move on, right? And so there's the whole, uh, hey, who's going to be the next Padre Twitter king? Like, Fran Reyes is great. Uh, Robert Stock is great. You know, all these guys are great with the, with the team online. Uh, Fernando Tatis is great on, on Twitter also. Yeah. But I think my favorite part, my favorite part um, for the season is Robert Stock. you got to go Robert Stock, dude. I'm saying it right now. Padres Twitter king. Royalty. That is we're finally gonna crown him. We're crowning him, Bob Stock, baby.
0: (laughs) Bob Stock. No, Robert Stock, because he has hair. Like the guy who needs to change his name is uh, Robbie Erland.
1: Yeah, he takes his hat off. He's Bob Erland. Robert Stock, dude. You look at his story is insane, dude. Washed yeah. out as a catcher. Like he's laughed like, at. Yeah, for <laughs> trying to throw a hundred. Laughed at. Yeah, sitting there and just he is like the true. He's the epitome of perseverance. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he's the guy chasing his dream. Like he's he's everything. He's like the American dream, right? Like he was chasing his dream as a catcher. It didn't work out. But did he just say, "Hey, man, shit, I'm just gonna go own Sunday league"? no no he didn't say hey I'm gonna go get a job at you know uh, Geico he didn't say any of that he went there and he said, hey, you know, I got a good arm, so I'm going to sit there and I'm going to record myself and put it on YouTube and then send it out to scouts. And so he did that. And he hadn't hit 100 yet, but then the Padres signed him. They bring him in he's he's hitting 100 miles an hour. And it's just seeing him do that and you kind of, like, guys like that, like, you see that and it's like, hey, um, you know, it's just a sideshow. Yeah, he throws hard, but it's it's a cool story. But he's actually, he's an effective reliever. He's pretty damn good this year. He's an effective reliever. And to, to see that and to see him really coming out of nowhere and to see him, him persevere the way he persevered and handling all the whole way humble as hell he's kind of he's a I mean, he's, he's kind of a dork, right? Like, he's a he dork is. on Twitter. But it's fine. It's endearing. He interacts he interacts with us on Pottery's Twitter. He's having fun with it. I saw him at the uh, on-deck game also. He was sitting in the actual stands, whereas Fran <laughs> and Urias were down in the Lexus <laughs> Club. He was sitting amongst the fans. Someone, Nobody knew who was there. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> someone tweeted at me. They're like, hey, Robert Stock is sitting right behind me. And I'm like, dude, let me go find him. Yeah. So I walked down. And as I was walking down to go say what's up to him, he was just walking away. So oh. I was maybe like 20, 30 feet behind him. I wasn't going to start running after him. <laughs> hey! Robert, Robert, Robert. I wasn't gonna do that, but um, I want him. I want Robert Stock to know. He's. I mean, he's never gonna listen to this, but right. somebody uh, will tell him on Twitter. You though. guys can go ahead and tell him. Robert Stock was my on-field, off-field, whatever, um, outside of the Hoffman stuff. My favorite part of this year. He made it. He made it fun to watch. Because to sit there and watch him come in the game and then to watch him interact with the pitching ninja yeah. every time. <laughs> to watch that that was the most entertaining part for me was Robert Stock. I, I, I'm like that. stoked. I'm stoked for him. I'm I, Positive, he's going to be around next season. Yeah, I would imagine um, so. So I can't wait, and like I'm, I'm hoping that he proves himself more and more, and he gets into more high leverage situations to see him smoking fools eventually in the ninth inning. What does he have a goal to hit like 105? He something? wants to hit 105. <laughs> like that's insane. That's absolutely insane. But that's that's Robert Stock, dude. And yeah. I'm not going to put it past him. No, I'm not either. I'm not going to put it past him. Oh, it'll, it'll be glorious if he gets it. Yeah, I I, I would absolutely love that. So, anyways, uh. Twas the best of times, twas the worst of times. That more worse the, than best. More worse than twas best. the times, nonetheless. Yeah, now uh, tis the tis the time to leave. So, um, put a cap on the twenty eighteen season. It was great. Um, you want to do a podcast next season?
0: <laughs> I'll get back to you on it. Yeah.
1: So uh, we're gonna be more going than to-
0: likely we're going to come back and be all hopeful again. And yeah. then by June or July, we'll be like, ah, oh, fuck it, we're going once a week yeah. or once a month. Yeah, uh, uh, so um,
1: if anything happens in the off season, the winter meetings, we might check in around then. Uh, you know where to find us on Twitter. Danny's there at five point five Dan. I'm there at MiserableSDFan. fan. Follow our podcast at five five podcast. Um, tell your friends if you like what you hear. Let us know. We love interacting with you guys as well. Um, you got anything else before we leave?
0: No, just you know, thanks for uh, sticking with us the whole year. We know it's not always uh,
1: smooth sailing,
0: yeah. Podcast and uh, Padres wise, but we do appreciate it and. We'll probably be back during the off-season at some point.
1: Yeah, we will. We can't quit you. (laughs) I can't quit you. Anyways, (laughs) we'll see you guys next season. We're out of here.